This is Worship God, a podcast of the Gospel Coalition Canada. Worship God is designed to equip worshipers and worship leaders for Christ-centered worship. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Worship God. We're so glad you're back. We know we've been on a bit of a hiatus, but welcome back for another episode. I'm here with Pat and Jody, and today we're going to be discussing the topic of emotions in worship. Um, You know, we are emotional beings, and that is an absolute fact, and the reality is we were created that way. Um, Emotions aren't a product of the fall. We're reflective of an emotional God. And so our emotions come into play when we talk about worship and when we talk about how our relationship with God works. But the question and the debate around emotions really surrounds around what role should our emotions play in worship? Are emotions dangerous? Do they actually lead us further away from worship or are they necessary? So, This is what we want to talk about today in our episode, because often one of the more common criticisms that are thrown against modern worship and the modern worship, kind of contemporary worship culture, is that modern worship really tends to emphasize emotions and leads to emotionalism. Uh, Emotionalism is this overemphasis on emotions and the stirring up of emotions by inappropriate means. And so this is often a criticism that's lobbied against modern worship. Oh, it's just stirring up emotionalism and stirring up emotions. And so Jody, let me throw this to you first as we begin our conversation on this. And maybe this is a dumb question, but should we be concerned about emotionalism? If, if God has made us in his image to have emotions, um, what's wrong with emotions? Um, maybe help us think about this. Yeah. Emotional Jody, starting with emotional Jody. Here we go. <laughs> I'm feeling emotional today. Well, use the word concerned. You know, the word concern means like there's a distress about something. And uh, I don't, maybe don't think I would be say we should be concerned about it, but committed to, committed to emotions, as in, Emotions matter. Uh, we've, as you said, we've been created in the image of God, and we have emotions. And with these emotions, we relate to God. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of uh, physically. Physically, we worship with our eyes open, with our arms raised, with our hands clapping. Mentally, we worship with the truth of the gospel, gospel realities that are painted in phrases and God's character displayed in metaphors, beautiful words that uh, display the Savior's glory. Spiritually, we worship our very selves being laid on the altar, our spiritual act of worship. And then emotionally, we worship. Uh, I was thinking just the, the fruit of the Spirit, the first two qualities that the Spirit produces us in us are, are love and joy. His work in us is meant to overflow into all of our lives and all we do. So first, that love. We have love for God. And, uh, you know, the Bible says in Mark chapter 12, we're to love the Lord with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. And so we are to love him and express with our emotions his worth and who we are before him in the love that we have. That's the love part. And then the joy. I was thinking about joy. And C.S. Lewis said that praise is inner health made audible. You know, there's something emotional about worship and praise that expresses the inner quality, the inner nature of our being. And uh, Hmm. Psalm 71 
23 says, uh, my lips will shout for joy when I sing praise to you, my soul also, which you have redeemed. So there's this, this great love from all our emotions. There's great joy. And then there's, at the other end of the emotional spectrum, there's lament. We've talked about that before. In Psalm 130, there's this depth of sorrow. Psalmist says, out of the depths I cry to you. Mm-hmm. And so putting all that together, uh, what does the scripture say? The scripture says that God gave us emotions and we're to worship him with all that we are with uh, the joys and the laments and everything in between. And that's the beauty of emotion. And, you know, we didn't even talk about dancing. You just talk about emotions being expressed and released. What you did mention about emotionalism is the sense of manipulation and something that's flesh-driven, perhaps abusive or an abusive leadership to stir people up to a response, Um, not necessarily to exalt Christ, but a fleshly... um, response or a fleshly outcome. And yeah, there's definitely danger there, emotionalism, which is emotion without biblical truth, and people can manipulate other people. Um, I think of, you know, the prophets of Baal, they were stirred up to emotionalism in 1 Kings 18, and Jesus warned against this sense of vain repetitions in people's prayer. So if I could summarize, I would say this, that you have this spectrum, you have all truth on one hand, which is maybe just, we call doctrine. If our thinking Mm -hmm. is just about doctrine and we're living in our head, uh, that's one extreme. The other is all emotion where there's really not a lot of truth, but it's just all feelings. Someone said that if we have all truth or all head, we dry up. If we have just all heart, we blow up. But if we have head and heart, uh, we grow up. Mm. And so, yeah, we should be concerned about emotionalism, but love and embrace all that God made for us in our emotions to worship him. Mm. Pat, how would you, how would you respond to that? You know, I think, you know, there can be abuses like Martin Luther. I know once said that he was referring to a woman. Someone was referring to him to as like women and wine were dangerous and there are things that could be abused. And he said, you know, well, what thing is there that isn't misused? Like anything can be misused. Um, so how do we think about emotionalism and the dangers of it? Is it a danger? Uh, how do, how do, how do you think about that? Yeah. I, th- I mean, I think of the, you know, like our hearts are idle factories and <laughs> we, we, we're worshiping something all the time. Right. Um, a, a phrase that stuck out to me as I was thinking about this podcast was, uh, Thomas Wilcox, uh, an, an old, uh, Puritan writer, he said this, he said, see the sun and you see all, not not the S-U-N, but the S-O-N. See the sun mm. and you see all. Um, and and um, in John Piper's book, uh, Desiring God, I think he uses this illustration. And I just, I thought it'd be great to just quickly read this, but he talks about, mm. he says, if you've been floating on a raft without water for three days, after a shipwreck on the ocean, and there appears a speck of land on that horizon, you do not say, now to what end shall I feel desire for that land? What good (laughs) end should now prompt me to decide to feel hope? He goes, "Um, even though the longing in your heart may give you the renewed strength to get to land, you do not perform the act of desire and hope and longing in order to get there. He says, the longing erupts from deep within your heart because of the tremendous value of water and life on that land. 
It's not a planned and performed like the purchase of a plane ticket as a means to getting what we desire. It rises spontaneously in the heart and it is not a decision made in order to anything. He goes on to say, as a genuine feeling of the heart, it's an end in itself. And he talks about our considered camping at the boundary waters of Minnesota. You're waking in the night to to a bear outside your, you see the silhouette of a huge bear outside of your tent. You don't say, now to what end shall I feel fear? You know, you don't calculate the good result of what might come from the adrenaline that fear produces and then decide that fear would be an appropriate or helpful emotion. He says, it's just there. And so, you know, we talk about our hearts being idol factories. I think we've made worship something that it was never meant to be. And often we lose sight of the most important thing. And as Thomas Wilcox said, see the sun and you see all. Uh, mm. it, it, there, there's something that I think when we, when we gather as God's people and we're in the presence of God and, and Jesus is there by his spirit, um, and we're singing the truths of who he is and what he has done, then then there should be this, we're not, we shouldn't be thinking to what end should I feel right now? Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I just don't get people that I know that can go to a Canucks hockey game and can absolutely lose their mind, but, yeah. but look stoic and like they, they're not going to make it at the end of the day of, of a Sunday <laughs> gathering, you know, like, that there should be something that that I think when what if we truly know and love Christ and the Spirit has made Him real, who He is and His work, what He's done for us, then I then I I think it's impossible to not feel, to yeah. not to not feel. Um, yeah. And I just yeah. say Amen to everything Jody said. So good. Yeah. And, <laughs> and and I think emotionalism is is. I guess a question I would have is there's probably a lot of people out there that are that we would say it's emotionalism, but I wonder even in their minds if if they're not like they just they want to know Jesus. I mean, I was a guy in my past that that would have been called out a lot. You're being you're if this is emotionalism. Where in my heart, I I just genuinely wanted to worship God, and so hmm. I, I think, boy, I. I, I want to err on making sure that my heart is engaged uh, with seeing the sun, and I and I see all, and that's that's whatever happens outwardly, whatever responses, and it seems like the scriptures are loaded with appropriate responses when beholding. <laughs> you know, just go to Revelation four and five, and we're yeah. pre- we're preparing to join that. Um, so, um, yeah. I find the discussion around emotionalism is always interesting because it always ends up targeting certain behaviors or certain styles of music and 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 because we can't know the heart of the person. So let's say we see somebody in our congregation, they're dancing and they're swaying and they're weeping and they're jumping. Well, I know brothers who would look at that and go, oh, look at that, that's emotionalism. Well, I can't tell what's going on in that brother or sister's heart. Right. I can't tell that they're not delighting in Christ and the gospel. And often the criticism is, oh, it's the music mm. that's stirring them up. It's the music that's just stirring their, their, their joy and their happiness. And I just find like, how can we... How can we even say that about somebody else? I think, I think all we can do 
is ensure that we're very clear and we're teaching and our, as worship leaders, we're constantly directing people, whatever means we're using. Mm. And if that's big band pads, electric guitars, big Bethel builds, or if we're just a nine marks guy and we have a piano player and a guitar and we're just singing hymns in a sanctuary, um, whatever we're doing, we're directing people to Christ. I think that's, we're, we're, we're making the goal enjoyment um, savoring of Christ. That's all we can't, that's all we can do. So guys, how do we navigate this? Because there's often pushback against modern contemporary music that it relies heavenly, heavily, hev not heavenly, <laughs> heavily on instrumental builds and fancy lights. And the concern is that is emotional manipulation. Having a drum build for six bars mm. with soaring synths and a cool electric guitar riff. Oh, that's just emotional manipulation. How, how do we navigate that tension, would you guys say? It, it you know, ultimately comes down to, I think, the motive of the leader. At the end of the day, there's, there's a set of tools we can use and things that God has given us as resources. And it comes down to the heart and the destination and the motive of those who are leading you know, and, and to be discerning about what they're doing and why they're doing it. And I just was thinking about music. And music isn't the only way we, we help and facilitate people's worship experiences. But I was thinking about just um, the fact that God gives us a, a palette of colors and hues. Mm -hmm. So you look around at the sunrise, S-U-N, and uh, the sunset and the shape of clouds and, you know, the dawning and the retiring of the sun, dark and light, spectrum of sights and sounds and all of creation, God has given us a world that's that's full of beautiful things and it, it touches us and we respond to that. Mm. And music has color. There's minor keys and major keys and there's different keys and different keys speak differently. Some feel happier, some feel more energetic. Music has rises and falls and crescendos and it has motion and space and words and phrases. And all of these things can grab our attention and they can touch our emotions and invite us to respond emotionally to the truth that is embedded in the lines. Mm. And so maybe I would say that they're vehicles. So that music is a vehicle, which is, is not the end in itself, but it's a means to the end, which is to have our hearts and our minds and our bodies doing exactly what you have already said, both of, both of you guys have said, to cherish Christ and to savor mm. him, to see him as beautiful as he is, and to take that that palette of colors and, mm -hmm. and um, emotional responses and to present those to him with who we are. And, you know, we want music to be musical. We don't want to say, well, we're afraid of emotionalism, so we're going to make music really dull and, um, you know, and just emotionless. We want music to be musical. We want poetry to be beautiful. We want space and silence to be powerful. We want songs to be presented skillfully. We don't want to mm -hmm. say we're going to do a bad job because we don't want to manipulate people. No, we want it. We want to be skillful. That's that's biblical as well. And using it all and being faithful to the biblical truth and we'll I'm sure talk about this in a minute because the essence of our response comes down to biblical truth. It's founded on that to point mm -hmm. minds and hearts to the glories of of our God and Savior and his finished work. And mm -hmm. so I would say we we need to be word-centered, gospel-focused, Christ-exalting. Uh, people-loving and spirit-dependent worship leaders who are not out to elicit a response, uh, not yeah. out to seek our applause, but to love people and to love God and help people to love God as they see Him mm. and to be in awe of Him. 
Right. Pat, what would you add to that? Uh, I, I, I would just wonder how many times we've missed uh, a blessing from God because we, we you know, were, had our little theological doctrinal box and it's kind of said, this is, this is where we go and no further. Um, I, a great story from my friend Bob Coughlin uh, was at uh, Anaheim Vineyard at one time. And, and uh, you know, there was a conference going on and he's sitting in his seat and he's listening to everything and he's critiquing. Don't we do that well <laughs> as the modern day uh, evangelical that wants to be theologically correct? We're just really good at critiquing everything. And we got, we got something to say about everybody and the way they do stuff. He's sitting there, Bob's sitting there, and he's critiquing and he's like, uh, you know, this and this, and there's, there's things wrong with this. And I don't know that that fits my theological framework. And, and at the end of the, the, the worship, the, the corporate singing time of the worship gathering, um, this, they said, okay, turn around and greet people. And this gentleman that was beside him turned to Bob and looked at Bob and he had tears streaming down his face. And he said to Bob, Bob, uh, wasn't the presence of Jesus so sweet in this room? And Bob said, I completely missed it because, mm. and, I, and I think, you know, I would say to people sometimes, uh, you know, what, what, what have you said, this is all I can do, you know? When I, when I look at the, the, the physical responses in Scripture, the commands in Scripture, like Jody said, to clap or to dance or to, to you know, to shout. Uh, I mean, man, Revelation 4 and 5 is, is pretty clear that, that uh, one day our worship gatherings are going to probably be far greater and better than we can mm-hmm. even <laughs> comprehend at all so take take your best ex- whatever you've had and said this is the ultimate worship experience um, i i don't i don't know i think it's going to blow our minds um, but we're preparing for that down here and so you know how many times have we sat there and said i don't i'm afraid i don't want to be emotional or i don't want to be uh, um, found as you know, doing something that's whipping other people's emotions up, and therefore, let's stay on the safe side. And I think staying on the safe side sometimes has left us outside of what yeah. what God wants to do and how God wants to speak to us and 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 increase our love and affection. And do He wants to show us Himself, and sometimes it's in those corporate moments through the preaching of His Word or through our singing portion where where he reveals himself and 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 what do you, what else can you do but but to yeah. let every faculty of your body and soul and mind just be saying Jesus how beautiful and wonderful and glorious you are um, mm. so that's yeah I, I i just i would encourage people to 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 you step back and just say what 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 have I said? I can't do this. I'll never do this, and and yet maybe even Scripture commands you to do it. Like what what are those physical responses in the in the Book of Psalms? Have you said no way? I would never do that. Uh, and yeah. and and you know how how could God touch your soul in a in a worship gathering, in a corporate mm-hmm. singing time, and move you to to say I have to shout at this time? You know I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'd like us to take a second and, and think about, so those individuals, so, so we have brothers and sisters who disagree with us, who think that, 
you know, emotionalism is a massive threat and um, they're very cautious. Um, and they would say, of course, church is about worshiping Christ. We're here to delight in Christ. But, um, but there's a cautiousness around emotion and raising of hands and, you know, clapping and any kind of external exuberant expression that they do at the baseball game or the football game. Right, right. Uh, but they don't do it at church. Um, you know, in, in John Piper's book, Expository Exaltation, it's a preaching book, which is funny, but at the first few chapters, he talks about worship and the corporate gathering and how preaching fits into that. And he's, he makes the argument that the essence of worship is savoring Christ. And he goes so far as to say, when we see Christ, but don't savor him, in our worship gatherings and in our preaching, it's in fact sin. Mm. Not savoring Christ when we see him is sin. And in fact, in his new book, um, the John Piper's new book, What is Saving Faith? He actually kind of gets into some trouble because he starts saying that part of saving faith is having changed affections and and emotional affections and delight in Christ. And if you don't see that, then that's that's an issue. Mm. So we have we have people who are very cautious about this. What are some what would be some reasons why people would be hindered and 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 afraid of emotions in in their worship? Jody, what do you mm. think? Yeah. You know, I think the first thing people would probably say is it's it's not my temperament, it's not my personality. I'm a reserved person. I'm a shy person. I'm an introverted person. That's I can imagine a lot of people saying that who are listening. It's like, that's oh, just yeah. not me. I, I don't do that at the football or hockey game, and I don't do that in church. And then over against that, we would say, and the scripture invites you into using all that you are, all that God made you to be, regardless of your temperament. And regardless of the expression, the outward expression, the heart should be bursting. If there's a if there has been a seeing and a savoring, there will be there will be a response. I I was in Vancouver recently, uh, Pat's hometown, and I was visiting a church. And I walked in, and this is very atypical of me, but I walked in, and I think there was a the intro of a song was playing, and, and tears just started to roll down my face. It's like, hmm, this is interesting. And uh, in that moment, I was feeling the the comfort of God. It had mm-hmm. there had been a particularly difficult, you know, um, incident that had happened. And and I was feeling really burdened and heavy. And the pastor got up to say, he said, you know, I sense that God's doing something in this room today. And uh, let's just let him do what he's doing. And I don't want to get in the way of it, but just respond to God. And I was just thinking that the spirit, he comes and he touches us in different ways. And maybe it's that he's showing himself to be the God of comfort or the God who has paid it all and he has given his all. And whatever it happens to be that God reveals about his own, his own heart and character, there's an invitation. And sometimes I think a hindrance can be, particularly in a local church, and let me just say, maybe this is a stereotype, but typically Pentecostals have no trouble with emotions. Do I hear an amen to that? That was, that was a bit of a pun there. Uh, that's good. And the Baptists, uh, you know, they don't maybe like to say amen, and they don't, they don't maybe do emotions very well, and they get truth really well. And so, you know, different camps have their own maybe strengths. Of mm. course, this is stereotypical. It's not true of everybody. But some environments, people might walk in wanting to be emotional, and they look around and they say, I think I'm the only one who wants to clap. I'm the only one who wants to, to shout. I'm the only one who wants to raise my hand. So I think that can be a li- limiting factor. Mm. 
Probably a second one would be self-consciousness. People who might think about doing what Pat said, exploring some of these biblical responses and emotional responses, might think like, everybody's going to look at me and I don't want to be a distraction. I don't want to be the center of attention. And perhaps a help for these hindrances might be that what we're not practicing in our own private worship, whether it's kneeling or crying or shouting or loving God with tears coming down our face, if that's maybe not happening in our private expressions with God, it likely is going to be challenging for us to bring those in a corporate gathering. Mm. And uh, I think the last last one I think I would mention, a hindrance, is just that when leadership doesn't encourage or invite these things, people who may want to bring them forth, emotional responses or some of these physical responses, they may be holding on to them feeling like, I don't want to step out of line. I don't want to do this if it's not welcomed or wanted or desired. So I've seen before where there's a song, it's a faster song, and people are, I, I know they're just wanting to clap. And just to say as a worship leader, would you clap your hands with us? And all of a sudden people go, okay, this is good. I can do this now. And they start mm-hmm. to clap. And you can tell that there's a, there's a release. There's a physical, emotional release, which is a response to God in this song. And people were just waiting to have that opportunity to do that. That's just mm-hmm. an example of, of a number of things that we can do. But those are some things that I think are hindrances and perhaps some helps as well. Mm. Mm. Pat, what would you say, what are hindrances that you often see from yeah. people expressing good emotion? I mean, I think first off, I'd say around this whole topic that physical responses in themselves are not a sign one way or the other that God is pleased with our worship. I think mm-hmm. we should we need to say that because there's people listening in and thinking, well, that's, you know, I, I think what's what's important, Jesus said these people quoting Isaiah the prophet, they draw near to me with their lips, but their heart is disengaged. Um, yeah. So we can do a lot of outward and it just be noise. Um, so what what's vitally important, I was thinking, uh, illustration, been married to my wife in May, will be 37 years. Um, you know, just imagine if for 37 years I've been telling her all the time, honey, I love you in my heart, but I never display outwardly that love. Um, and, and this is not only talking about a Sunday gathering, you know, clapping, lifting your hands. I mean, lots of people that don't do any of that display their love for Jesus in many ways, you know, in, in the way they live their lives, absolutely. But I think this is one other way, and I think Scripture commands it. The question we should probably ask is if Scripture commands it, then why am why or why not am I not engaged or am, why am I disengaged? And I think some some of the things, you know, it might be that they're unaware of what the Bible teaches about this area. That could be a hindrance. Um, I think one of the biggest uh, is fear of man. Um, hmm. uh, a, a great quote on the fear of man uh, in, in World Magazine many years ago was an article, and the person said, the problem with the fear of man is that we have a thousand masters to please instead of one. Um hmm. And I think that happens often when we're in church and, and uh, you know, we're sitting there and there's a whole bunch of people that know us beside us and we're like, they're not, they're not lifting their hands and they're not expressing, you know, uh, and so I'm just going to be, go along with the status quo. 
We had a midweek uh, service at our church last Wednesday, and, and our church just erupted on a Wednesday evening. People were clapping, people had their hands raised, <laughs> and then at the end of the song, I just said, oh, okay, that's enough. I said, that is not allowed to happen here unless it's going to happen on Sunday. <laughs> I, I don't, <laughs> literally don't know what happened, but in our church on Wednesday night, people like worship outwardly. Uh, they're mm. very expressive. When Sunday morning comes, they look like someone hit them over the head and they're in a coma <laughs> or something. I, I do not know what happens. But anyways, I, I would say yeah. fear of man is a big deal. Uh, and, then, and then that whole thing of not wanting to be emotional. And, and you know what? Your best, uh, your, your best intentions are shot through with sin. On your best day, when you're thinking you're just doing everything the best, even then, it's tainted. Your heart is deceitful, as Jeremiah 17 tells us. So I, I think you want to you want to say, you know what? At this moment, I'm going to lift my hands and Jesus, I love you, and I don't want to be emotional, but I do want to. I want to worship you with every part that you've given me. And I think one other one, Rob, that's that's always a big one is. Often people coming into our gatherings are more aware of their sin and struggle and therefore feeling that I'm hypocritical, I'm not worthy enough. Mm. So how could I how could I lift my hands and sing out loud and, and maybe jump or shout when I know what happened yesterday or two days ago? Um, and 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 what they they need to be more aware of is what what Jesus who Jesus is and what Jesus has done because what Jesus did was he took that sin and all of your past sins and present sins and future sins they were all placed on him so that mm-hmm. you could boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence and lift your voice and lift your hands and shout and dance and rejoice in the only one who's worthy of our praise. You you will never be worthy enough, but he is so worthy of all our worship. Mm. Amen. Well, so guys, maybe as we kind of wrap up this, bring this conversation kind of, let's land this a bit more practically, you know. I think maybe there's a lot of people here who go, yes, amen. Um, I understand that emotion is good, but I understand that my emotion is meant to be affections stirred up for Christ. That that's what's happening here. I'm 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 supposed to come to church. I'm going to be dwelling on the truth of God, singing about Christ, singing about the gospel, and the emotional response is to that. It's not to the music. It's not to, and they get that. But maybe they're listening, and they're at a church where so much of the worship music is man centered. Mm. And it's all about what we do and how, how God, what God has like done for us, you know, and it's all just very much focused on us. And they're going, man, I really wish my worship leaders and my pastors were shaping gatherings that were more focused on Jesus. Cause that's why I feel uncomfortable because I'm just always singing about worship and I'm always singing about people and blessing and and victory and I'm we're not singing about Christ and we're not looking at Christ how can and this is where I want to land this how can we as worship leaders and pastors and worship yeah pastors better craft worship gatherings or write worship songs that actually stir affections in the right way what are some things that we can do as worship pastors to help 
um, facilitate good emotions in our services that are rightly directed. Yeah, to begin with, think of think of the event as hospitality. That as leaders, we uh, we welcome people warmly, and that there's a joy and an encouragement that comes from leadership that tells people this is a safe place. You can you can be you can feel safe to worship and to be vulnerable before God and to express your heart to Him. And you know, I think uh, this this the content of what we do is is really key. You've mentioned that. In terms of the kind of songs you're singing and what those songs are saying, and assuming, assuming that you're picking songs that talk about the awesome power of God and the uh, finished work of Christ, the good news of the gospel, acknowledging our own struggles of our flesh, and then the forgiveness of the Savior. Assuming that is in place. If not, then that is a place to start examining what songs we're singing, what we're saying, what we're what we're directing people to, and the flow of our services. But assuming that's in place. Our joy and our encouragement are really important right from the get-go because that invites people. That says that this is something important. And as leaders, I believe that we as leaders need to engage personally in our own hearts. We're not just singing. We're not just playing music, but we are personally engaging Mm -hmm. with the content. We are personally worshiping the scriptures and the prayers. And then using using songs that are, are rich in content. The three of us had the opportunity recently to be at a conference and we were leading. And I think it was you, Pat, that stopped in the middle of one of the songs and had a line repeated a couple of times because it was a big highlighter that said, hey, everybody, I want I want you to pay attention to this line and I want this truth mm-hmm. to sink in. And that, that was a moment. It was a very tender song and it was a, a particularly poignant moment in that powerful song mm-hmm. that I believe um, just sunk into people's hearts. So using great songs, and then in, in terms of how we lead songs, highlighting truths or phrases from songs, and then just speaking to the congregation of, of why we sing this song, why this song is particularly important about what it says about Christ or his character or what, is, what he's done for us. We often repeat lines in songs. An example that some of you may have used before is in, in Christ alone, there's that line, as he stands in victory, uh, since curses lost its grip on me. And you can repeat those lines as if to say, I'm, I'm standing on this right now, I believe and I'm declaring this truth about what mm-hmm. Christ has done in his finished work. And so then we can pray out these lines, repeat these lines, and have people think about them. And then just using the palette, <coughs> as I talked about earlier, the palette of joyful songs and celebratory songs, but also quiet and reflective songs, using all of those things to help shape people's ability to, to think about Christ and then to respond to that truth emotionally and to engage their affections. Mm. Pat, what would you say? How do we better, you know, craft worship services that, that, that you know, stir up good, godly, healthy emotions mm. and not emotionalism? Yeah, just keep, keep Jesus who he is and what he's done at the center. I mean, I was thinking of John Piper's words that worship is a way of gladly reflecting back to God the radiance of his worth. <laughs> so mm. that, that happens throughout the week, but when we get together, and what does it look like to gladly reflect back to God? What We're beholding him, and, 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 and there's this, when we behold him, there's we're we're telling him we're reflecting back this is this is how worthy you are you know 
our, our Sunday gathering should be about Psalm 37, 4, delighting yourselves in the Lord. We gather as God's people to, uh, to, to gaze on Jesus because um, we, forget, we forget who Jesus is and what he's done because everything in our world is, is, is causing us to, to wander, wanting us to wander, saying, come this way. <laughs> There's, mm-hmm. this, is, this, is, this is a better plan. This is a better way of doing life. This is, this is going to be more valuable in the long run. And, um, and Paul says in Philippians 3, I count it all as, as rubbish. There's nothing that compares to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. And I think painting... A, a picture of, of Christ in a way that is that feast. Worship is a feast. I want to create a feast for the, the people of my church um, so they would see him. And, and I, I don't want to manipulate. I don't want to say, come on, worship like you mean it. I, you know, <laughs> worship leaders that are always shouting out and telling people what to do. Uh, I, I think sometimes, man, let, let, let the Lord do that in their hearts as you as you put Christ before them in all of his glory. We do that in the preached word. We do that in the songs we sing. We do that in the, the call to worship. We do that in, in a confession of sin and, and assurance. We, 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 we keep Christ at the center and our hearts are, are undone. And we, we want to not only appropriately worship there in the gathering, but we want to spend the rest of our lives mm. worshiping him. Mm. You know, we've been quoting Piper a lot because this is kind of his thing, Christian hedonism, you know, and he's just all about this. And I know he talks about how when feelings for God are dead, worship is dead. Yeah. And so, but it's important that our feelings and emotions are directed in the right way. There's a great book um, for the beauty of the church. Uh, This is just uh, casting a vision for the arts in the church. And um, there's a chapter and it says this, it says the feelings we experience during our musical worship, for example, can become a surrogate for the absence of feelings towards God himself. Mm. We feel the endorphin rush brought on by the mind blowing guitar lick. We feel ourselves lifted up. Suddenly we are swelling with intense throbbing feelings. It is because, is it because of the music or because we've communed with the spirit of Christ? Often it's just the music and, and, and that can be a danger. Yeah. Music can um, swell us up and stir us up and motivate us. And if you've ever seen a good movie, you understand how music plays a role in, in building fear or anticipation. Uh, that's not inherently wrong. God has given us these tools. But I think when the goal is Christ, when Piper will also say, um, praising Christ is really prizing Christ. Mm. If prizing Christ is the goal of everything that we're doing, then all these tools, all these palettes that Jody talked about, all these colors that we've been saying, all these things will work towards that. Yeah. And so um, we got to keep that as a Christ enjoying him, treasuring him. If everything we're singing, everything we're saying, everything we're praying, everything we're preaching is Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Then I think the sky's the limit. Mm -hmm. Like how is an acoustic guitar and a piano less emotionally manipulative than 
pads. Like, where's the science behind that? There isn't any, it's, it's preference. Mm. But when we keep Jesus as the focus, when we keep him as the focus for everything that we're doing, I think we avoid these things. And mm. so guys, thank you so much for coming back and being on this, this episode. Uh, I appreciate your guys' insights and listeners. Thank you. We're glad that we're back at it. Um, we're going to have more episodes coming. So thank you for joining us on this episode of Worship God. And we'll see you on the next episode. Bye for now. Worship God is a production of the Gospel Coalition Canada. For more Christ-exalting resources, go to ca.thegospelcoalition.org.